Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just so many games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. It can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to, to dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about industry events, and to talk to the people that create these wonderful games that we can spend our time and uh, energy on. And today we are going to revisit one of the latter of that category, a gentleman who's been on several times before, literally the most prolific one-man show in the gaming industry, uh, Australian gaming master. I don't. I. I mean, what do we? What do we call? What do we call this guy? He is constantly putting out new content, and he's gone from having one fantastic game that I'm a big fan of, to adding two more in the same universe. He's universe building out of out of a one man show, and he's literally put out more models in the last twelve months than some large game companies. It is truly amazing what Trader Galaxy has done with the Bot War game and the Bot War adjacent game. And if I'm talking Bot Wars, of course I'm talking to the man, the myth, the legend. Anthony, welcome back to Cast Ice. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. I, I, that was a pretty amazing um, intro, actually. <laughs> man, I, I've been following you as we talked off air before we started, literally since you, the beginning. Since You were one of the... Apparently, I, I, I jumped in... I heard about you early. Some people shared uh, your stuff with me, and I, I liked your page. I started buying your models, and I've been following you for years, and oh, my God. And I know I said this the last time you were on, but I'm going to say it again. You keep putting out new models. It's astonishing how many releases you have put out since even the last time we spoke to you, and that was, what, April? Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I think it was April, actually, yeah. Yeah, so it's it, yeah, definitely, it doesn't feel like there's a lot, but actually there is a lot. I'm staring at my wall of models mm-hmm. here at the moment. And um, yeah, there is actually a fair lot. Oh, excuse me for that truck, by the way. <laughs> That's okay, man. Background noise happens. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, like I think now we have, technically we've got 11 factions, but 10 official factions for bot so war there's a mercenary faction as well now mm-hmm. but um but yeah i i don't envision more factions for bot war at least in the next year so <laughs> of course <laughs> that is subject to change right whenever you get a <laughs> yeah, bee in right. your bonnet amazing things happen and that's one of the cool things that i love about your games um bot war i followed since first edition and uh i mean even since the second edition book has come out most of the models have changed. You've gone from metal models um, that had good detail, that were very crisp and very clean. I have a ton of them. I've really enjoyed you know, putting them together. But you've gone from that to even that next level of detail with resin, and you've jumped to resins with a lot of your releases, and my God, are they crisp. Uh, you know, I, I've described great casting for resin as having sharp edges, and man, yours do. They are razor sharp in the nicest way possible. And when you're getting down to details on, you know, those those little faces, it is amazing to be able to take a paintbrush to that and go, yes, 
And having literally painted your uh, your democracy range, I, I painted all the vehicles in your democracy range. So I was painting uh, an F-16 fighter that was, you know, as long as my middle finger, actually significant, about as long as my thumb. And painting the cocktail, you know, the cockpit on that model, I mean, to have all of that detail in a model that was that small for an independent game company... I mean, that's that's sensational. It is really well done. How, what, how do you account for that jump in quality? I mean, I know that you've always had high standards, but this is outrageous. Yeah, it actually does come down to the standards sort of thing. Like I interviewed um, when I first started um, Traders Galaxy. That's when I started interviewing resin manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So I've actually been interviewing resin manufacturers for maybe a year and a half or two years. And I finally settled on one that wasn't the cheapest, but actually um, I felt could deliver the quality. And I actually I actually think that, and I know I'm biased, but I actually think that my resin models are probably some of the best in the world. Like the, they go together like plastic injection um, models like there's there's hardly any mold lines on any of them mm-hmm. um, I'm not talking about the uh, some people um, the large models the um, Leviathan Queen mm-hmm. and destroyer yeah they actually were cast um, they were cast with a different process by a different manufacturer that was that was part of my early um, interview process mm-hmm but the current models that are coming out, like with the starter set and all the normal size models, they're all cast right now with my actual manufacturer for the resin, the resin models. So those are the models I'm talking about. Like, there's absolutely not a blemish on them, and I'm like over the moon to be honest. They they come out way better than even I expected from, you know, the 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 interview process. You know, absolutely. So. So yeah, like it takes it it takes a little while for them to come in a, a few months or something from order, but you know, like I'm pretty. I'm actually taking the resin to an, another level as well. I'm trialing colors. So the new Atlanticans that are on pre-order now for resin will actually arrive in yellow resin. Oh, cool! And so uh, then the trashes, which I'm developing now. I don't know if you've seen some of those pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, there be in sort of a brownie orange resin. Oh, cool! So each one will sort of follow their faction color. Nice. So it's just a little. I don't know it's a bit gimmicky, but it's it's just another little, um, a little touch thing about. I'm yeah. I'm just. I I don't. Um, a lot of. My, I guess my my thing is I like to be a bit different, mm-hmm. and so so like my packaging as well. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people I know. When I've sent the packages out to some people and they've reviewed online and things like that, like, oh, these are like cat food um, yeah, packaging. Yeah, sachets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and stuff like that. But um, and yeah, I guess they are. But I sort of, I sort of like them in a way. They're a bit, they're a bit different and not they your are. sort of clamshell blister pack sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I've actually upgraded the packaging, which will start in November, to metallic red nice. um, with the bot, full bot wall logo. Um, on it so i think it'll look really fantastic on store shelves 
Man, I got to say, when they first arrived, my I, I'll be completely honest, and I looked at those sachets, uh, just to, to, I'm not sure what word to use for them, but the, the <laughs> packaging, uh, I was concerned that, that there would be model breakage. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But literally, I, I, I own most of your uh, Deceiver range, I think all of your Valiance, your entire democracy range, and I have yet to have a broken model. So... Yeah. Pretty happy with how yep. that's turned out. It, it looks good, as you say. It's it's flash, um, it's compact, so it's easy to to store. And man, the models are just yeah, they're safe. It's great. Well, when I try to post, when I post the resins in particular, I actually put them mainly in a bot war box. Yeah, which makes so, a huge and, difference. Yeah, so I wouldn't ever post the resin miniatures just in a satchel mm-hmm. um, because yeah, they could definitely break. But the, the resin's a bit different to some, like I've seen some resins that are really, that's really brittle. Yeah, It's that's not true. that sort of resin. So no. like I've dropped, I've dropped a couple, um, there is a little bit of give in the resin and I've there dropped is. a couple off the bench here and they've not broken. So. I dropped my War Duke, <clears throat> not, not admitting <laughs> to anything and he's still in one piece. Uh, so yeah, very, as, as you say, it is not a fragile resin, which, you know, if you're going to be using these to play games with, which yeah. hopefully you are. Yeah. Not only do you have that detail, which you often get that sharp detail with more fragile resins. Um, yeah. You have you found that nice sort of middle ground where you get the detail, but you still have the durability, which I quite enjoy. Well, uh, hold on. Yeah. Now, and we're 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 going down a very interesting ta- uh. tangent here. Let's <laughs> let's let's backtrack out for a second and let's talk about what Bot War is. Now, Bot War is a and correct me if I'm wrong because I know I get this wrong all the time. It's 8 millimeter technically? Well, it actually it actually started as 8 millimeter, but there has been a bit of scale creep to okay. 10 millimeter. Okay. And I just thought 10 millimeter is easier. Cool. So, um, so yeah. So basically, yeah, eight to ten millimeter, right? Uh, scale. Now, if we are talking eight to ten millimeter, I know a lot of people immediately think of game systems that they've seen in that scale, and they think about, oh Jesus, those are small models. They are so tiny. How are you going to get detail? What are you talking about? But what your game does, Bot Wars, the name implies, has to do largely with large robots fighting. It is, it's, a, it's a giant hit of nostalgia towards, and we talked about this the first time you came on, about you know those giant robot cartoons. Um, particularly, I love the ones from Japan when I was a kid, um, like Force 5 and all those, where you had giant robots fighting. Because you are talking giant robots battling it out on your tabletops, what we're actually talking about are models that are more akin to between 28 and 40 millimeter infantry models in size. Would you agree? Yeah, actually, um, the, the average size now is 45 millimeters yeah, tall. There you go. So, um, but the, with the move to resin, like some of the models have become a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, overall and and so it is a bit of a it i've actually often thought about that it is a bit of a strange one because there's there's some people that are like right into their 10 millimeter gaming Mm -hmm. and but then they might like uh, 28 millimeter size gaming is probably the most common it is um so my thought is it's a game that sort of crosses those barriers it does like if you if you want to be in your 10 millimeter gaming that's 
that's fine. Take democracy, take a bunch of tanks, take a bunch of little infantry mm-hmm. and, and create your force. But it, you can then play against someone who's right into their 28 millimeter gaming and they just take valiance with the bots and, you know, they don't paint a model under 25 millimeters, you know? Exactly. Well, I was so, putting, I, I put my new War Duke model, the new resin one, um, next to my new resin democracy vehicles. And I have your version of the Huey Cobra, which is tiny. Um, but still has the skids, still has the rotors, and has the weapon pods off the side. Brilliant for that tiny, tiny scale. was a lot of fun to paint. But then putting that next to that War Duke, who's you know, th- basically the general of uh, the Valiant faction, the, the big guy, you put the two of them next together, and you go, that's the same game. Like that, that is another thing that is really unusual for a smaller game company. Often when you have, you know, you don't have the, the production of a larger game company, you get a lot more, I don't want to say consistency in size, because that would imply that you don't have consistency. What you have is variety. Um, and that really does make for a more diverse and interesting tabletop uh, look when you're playing the game, if that makes sense. Like you look at it and it, it feels a lot less standardized, which is just a really nice touch. And that's, that's actually one of the things you touched on there. One of the things that I love most about this game is that, um, you can take like the, the, Oh, what's the word that like the narrative, um, you know, the visuals of the game. Mm-hmm. It's like having like a giant squid battling robots, mm-hmm. battling cybernetic dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Like it seems crazy when you talk about it. It but does. But actually it just seems like a, a sort of anything goes, just crazy mishmash of stuff. But actually, uh, when you actually play it though, it's like the the factions play so differently. Yeah. Like um, the the battle vehicles from um, Special Branch, mm-hmm. um, just taking you know a, a, a crazy converted Lamborghini that turns into a jet fighter. Yes, it's like it's like taking that against a giant um, cybernetic T Rex. I mean, what other game has that? Exactly. It's like. It's like um, that that to me is really enjoyable. It's like when you're thinking about factions, it's like, oh, I feel like playing dinosaurs today, mm-hmm. you know, or, or I feel like playing, um, you know, giant shark warriors or something like that. It's like the the I, that whole aspect of taking those different factions and mashing them against each other and see, seeing what would happen to me is really exciting. But adding to that, you also have groups of models that you can buy that then uh, combine together. So they have multiple forms. So in the Atlantican uh, faction, for example, you have a group of water vehicles that can change into you know giant robots, but then that can combine into one massive robot. And there are rules that allow you to use this giant massive robot. Uh, it is very uh, evocative of like tons of different cartoons and live action uh, battle uh, television shows from my childhood, especially since I grew up in Japan, as I've mentioned a bunch of times. But it is just such a cool way of, uh, I, I don't know another tabletop game that does it, literally. And it's it's really original. Well, when you're doing Bot War, you have to do giant combined models. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's just one of those things like, like, <laughs> 
I know, like, there's been some games on YouTube that Aiden and I have played, and uh, there was one where we played a combine, like a combiner against each other. There was two combine, like we had two combiners from mm-hmm. two different factions. There. And to be honest, like, I didn't know how the game was going to go, but it was, it was, <laughs> we, I, I joke with Aiden, we often sit down here to play, and we've just both finished work, and we're really tired, and just, oh man, you know, put this on. But actually, by about turn two. We're both right into it. Nice. Like, it's one of those games that you just, like, get into. Like, it's if you're feeling a bit low and you sort of force yourself to start, mm-hmm. by by turn two, turn three, you're actually right into it and having a great time. Yeah. And I've not experienced that with a game ever before. Yeah. Like, usually if you, you know, back in the old days when I was playing a lot of other games, you, you start a game, you think, oh, I really can't do this. And by turn four or five, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm I just I'm, I just want to finish. Yeah, I need a nap. But actually, yeah, yeah. Whereas whereas this game is just sort of like you can get really excited about it. I don't I I don't know what it is to be honest. Well, but um, it's the simplicity of it. But also, yeah. I think there's that going back to the combiner side. It's that there's this sort of grand narrative that's yeah. happening, and yeah. Um, yeah. there's going to be a new combiner soon, which Ooh. is a sort of this is a. Um, this is an exclusive for you, oh. mate. So trashes are getting a combiner. Oh, nice! And it's not—it's not a human form. Oh, oh, now that's cool because all the combiners so far, from memory, yeah. that I am thinking through—that's correct—are yeah, like giant like... humanoids. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Mm, so looking so forward it's to seeing be pretty, this. Yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. The trashes faction is, is turning out. I'm quite excited about it. It's going to be it's going to be great. Well, and one of the reasons why I I keep inviting you back on is clearly I'm a fan of the game. Um, but one of the things, and you were talking about it a second ago, one of the things that I really love about Bot War is a how much you're involved with how the game runs and how you've uh, you've been active about updating the. I mean, people talk about how big game companies change the cards or the stats for vehicles or for models to make them more balanced, uh, to make a better game experience. But you've done that all along. You're constantly making sure that things are leveled properly. You're listening to your community. You're interacting with your fans. But you've created a game that is easy to pick up. It is really straightforward as far as figuring out the rules but then has the depth and has a lot of, how should I say, um, there's a lot of granularity to how it actually works as far as model activation and resource management, but in a way that is still fun. There's a couple of games that I've played, especially resource management games, that can get really dry after three or four turns. But I think you said it best just a second ago that when you're playing Bot War, it's one of those games that you go, yeah, it, it's it's light enough and it's got the cool cinematics and the narrative behind it that when you actually sit down to play it, you've got that tactical depth. You really have threaded the needle, I think is what I'm trying to say, of finding fun and depth and easy to pick up at the same time. It is truly a great game and that's one of the reasons why i keep bringing you back is because i love it and i think it's it's such a neat idea and you keep evolving it 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 man i'm a fan yeah well i've got um that's actually um one of the things like the game it's 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 so odd i know originally early on 
a few people looked at the game and sort of didn't get it. Yeah. They sort of they sort of like, um, oh, it seems like so simple and, and things like that. But actually, when you – it's not till you play it. And I, that's one of the challenges to marketing the game, actually, is getting people to play the game seriously. Mm-hmm. So, like – I guess I'm blessed in a way that uh, I have Aiden who's like right into his gaming as well. So mm-hmm. like we both, we both are on that sort of equal. I mean, Aiden might argue that he's well above me, in the <laughs> gaming, but, um, but, um, but yeah, we're sort of both on that. We, we want to get the same thing out of the game. And I know he also, Aiden also plays um, against his son, Dave, who's I think seven mm-hmm. and he gets out, gets something out of the game there as well. Because the rules are so simple that Dave can really understand it. You simply like you pay for this and you do this. You pay for this and you do this. Mm-hmm. But actually when then Aiden's playing against me, there's way more in that. It's like, well, it's, I think it's because of the amount of decisions both players have to make each turn. Yeah. So it's like, um, do, do you know in um, some of the older games, like oh, you have a turn and the other player just sits there twiddling their thumbs mm-hmm. waiting for you to finish moving all your models and then you'll shoot and then you'll do your close attack mm-hmm. and then then it's their turn and then that person can go get a drink. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Whereas but was not like that at all. Both players need to be playing all the time. Yeah. So with the way the strength... But you can't... I mean, you can build lists in Bot War where you might activate all your models before your opponent. I mean, I don't think that is particularly a great way of winning, but but you can do like, there's that flexibility there. Like one of the things that I really like about bot war as well is that I used to find with my games um, that I spent probably more time building lists Mm -hmm. than I actually spent playing the game. And so one of the things about bot war as well is that there's this, this massive pre-game list building interaction yeah. that you need to make it to make it work. I mean you can just take any old model in Bot War, like there's no real redundant models, which I'm quite proud of. Yeah. Um like each each like usually the it's it's beneficial to take the smaller, weaker models because they can help power the larger models. But exactly. if you take too many too many larger models, then you you can still play, but you'll be starved of of energy. Mm-hmm. So um but um, taking that um, sort of taking that whole list building thing to the next level is like you've got to account for how many cubes you your force brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Obviously, your points as as normal, like every every game. And then, but not only that, when what when models are going to activate and and what they're going to do versus potentially your opponents activating models. So because everything activates in ascending. Order. Um, strategy rating order and you mm-hmm. don't want to activate everything and then have your opponent um mm-hmm. sort of get sort of run of the table after that so um so yeah there's there's a lot of things to think about and it really encourages i think the game really encourages building balanced lists especially against um uh forces that you don't really know what's in the list yeah. That you're gonna that you're gonna face. So let me unpack a little bit about what you just said because there's a lot in there. So one of the key elements in bot war 
or I guess three key elements is when you are building a list, every model that you add, just like almost any other game system, has a point value. And you place um, different level games like you would for other things. It could be a 1,000 point game if you're talking about bolt action. Um, but in your game, it typically is around 80 points yeah, that's per right. side. Yeah. So every every model has a point value. But then within each model, each model, as you said, has a different strategy rating. And that in and of itself tells you when the model activates. So if a model has low uh, strategy rating, it goes earlier in the phase. If it has a high strategy rating, it goes later in the phase. Phase so or in the turn so trying to say as in as you were just saying you don't want your opponent especially since a lot of the missions and scenarios involve objectives and grabbing things you don't want your opponent to have the end of the turn uncontested like you want to have models happening at the end but you also don't want to be completely waiting till the end either you need to have some things spread out over the turn so you need that mix of models or that mix of strategy ratings within your models. But then beyond that, the resource management is um, each model has a certain level. In order to make things work in the game, you need to spend energy. And each model creates energy. Um, But each model creates a different amount of energy. And some models uh, spend a lot more energy than they can make. And some make more than they can spend. So you do need that mix in order Otherwise, as you say, you're going to end up starved and you'll have, you know, these fantastic models with these great damage output and these awesome abilities that you can't use. So you need that spread in order to be able to play the game fully. Um, yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Like I've, I've made some killer lists in the past mm-hmm. and then I've realized that everything's activating from strategy rating seven onwards. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. It's like, or I've made, or I've made a great spread of um, strategy rating. I thought, yeah, I'm going to activate pretty much right throughout the whole turn. But then I realized, oh, hang on a minute, but I, I'm going to be stuck for energy because mm-hmm. um, there's not enough, not enough energy. So, so there's definitely, um, there's definitely a lot of things to think about, in the, which makes it really challenging the list building side of things. I, I sort of love that about the game. One of the things um, with doing the game was like, I wanted the core rules like super simple. Yeah. Like I don't want the core rules to be this mighty time that you have to read through mm-hmm. in order to even basically grasp the game. Like I just wanted people to be able to pick it up and play it first time. What I wanted people to do is unlock extra value as they start, as they continue to play the game. And I think that, I think the game has really nailed that um, by fluke. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you've also, I mean, you really have, as we talked about before, tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and tweaked the profiles across the board. So it's really, from what I've seen, and I have looked, it's it's hard to create a, a face-stomping list in this game that is just going to crush your opponent without really sacrificing something which makes that list not work. So you really do have a game that is really nicely balanced and can create, you know, fun narrative gaming where you're not just looking to alpha strike somebody off the table. You can try and build that list, but your list is going to really suffer because of it. And that's in a way that most other games don't account for. Yeah, that's right. And even though you can, you could, like Aiden always jokes about alpha strikes and, um, 
he's never really done an alpha strike despite saying that mm-hmm. this such and such model can um, alpha strike and, and things like that. But, but it's, I think uh, he's right in the sense that the possibility is there, but right. to be able to do that, you, the risk is also huge. Mm-hmm. So every model that has like, you, like um, I think this is a normal thing in, in war gaming is that you look at an ability of a model and think, oh, wow, look how fantastic and strong that model is. But then they've got this massive drawback on the other hand. Yeah. And no one ever seems to look at the massive drawback, but it always mm-hmm. like shipwrecks their plans when they're actually playing. <laughs> yep. And, and, and that's sort of what bot was like. You might get, uh, like, for instance, Beast Lords, you look at their stat lines and you think, wow, like most of them have 9 to 10 damage. Mm-hmm. They're super, super powerful, can take, uh, you know, three to four shields across across mm-hmm. the range of beast lords they take a lot of damage um and people look at that and think oh wow but you can only fit three in a force yep you've got to really carefully manage your um your energy mm-hmm. but at the same time how do you claim three objectives and still move around the board like so there's there's massive drawbacks to certain um to certain things that look really powerful. Yeah. So, well, I mean, obviously if the planets align, you can do some really powerful things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but to be able to usually do it consistent. Yeah, exactly. But it's also to be able to do something consistently is not something. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, it might be fun as a one-off game, but as a battle plan to take a list that, that you would go to a six game tournament with it, it probably wouldn't be a good idea. No, no, not at all. Well, I I'm, Another thing that really grabs me about Bot War is the depth of the narrative. This is something, as I said, you've adapted and you've added to and added to and added to over the years. So for a game that is, you know, again, a one-man operation, the the level of story that has gone in is really impressively deep. Um, So I'm not going to go, I mean, we could literally spend the next hour going through your story. So let's just... I'm going to paraphrase the narrative before we get into the different factions for Bot War. Um, it's an alt future where um, history is sort of divided off from where we are now, or it's an alternate reality where um, the there are two major factions. There's the Red Star and Democracy who are sort of facing off against one another in, in a Cold War situation. And somewhere along the line, Democracy sort of became corrupted by, um, by different um, intrigues within its own infrastructure. And um, there was a, a sort of the... Democracy wasn't exactly working. Let's just put it that way. And um, about the same time uh, as the democracy was becoming less about helping the people around them and more about oppressing them, um, out of the waters, out of the seas came the Atlanticans. And it was the rise of Atlantis. And they sought to take over the land. And democracy was in no situation to stop them. And just when all appeared lost, uh, a... A falling star dropped from the sky, and it was a spaceship with uh, giant robots from another world. And battle ensued, and um, the Atlanticans were shattered and pushed back into the sea. But there are still 
conflicts happening across this world. And we have the different factions of robots that have landed. We have um, the corrupt forces from the democracy, um, which are the Snake Corporation. We have democracy, of course, who are uh, the remnants of the, the, the good guys, so to speak, who are there to to bring democracy back. We have the Red Star Legion who are the um, dinosaur riders. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, but there's, and of course the Atlanticans. So this is the universe. Am I, did I summarize that all right? Cause it, yeah, it's yeah, kind of hard to bring it all together because it yeah, is such a, a lot, grand narrative. A yeah, that's right. There's a lot there like spreading across 10 factions, but essentially, yeah, that's correct. Um, the, probably the only part that I would add is that the 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 valiants and the deceivers, um, and to a, I guess to a smaller extent the infestors and a few others. There's a lot of uh, spiritual stuff in there. So the valiants themselves and um, the deceivers are were actually spiritual beings in a spiritual universe that wasn't physical. So when they entered the physical universe, that's when they got their bodies. Uh, okay. So the deceivers actually didn't get their bodies. They were built on Earth. The deceivers. They they ca- they were in a dimensional prison um, that landed on Earth and was picked up by Snake Corp. Mm-hmm. And they it's a bit sort of I guess that that part is very dark in the sense of the of the universe. And it was a bit of a it's a bit of a horror story in the sense that it was a bit sort of event horizony. Mm-hmm. You know where where. There's a possession that goes on, like scientists are working on this thing. There's a possession that goes on. There's a lot of death and destruction and sort of almost demonic stuff that happens. And then um, there's only, there was only one survivor, which was a which is a girl dressed in a bear suit. <laughs> yep. That, that was in the that was in the thing, and she turned in. She she became one of the special branch mm-hmm. um, pilots, and and the deceivers then. The, the, the Valiants and the Deceivers are it's like this weird amalgamation of spirit and AI. Mm-hmm. So their, co- their codes sort of float in the atmosphere and they can in, sort of infect people and things like that if they wish to and, and stuff like that. And then they're downloaded into a factory and the body's produced based on the code that's, that's read. So they're sort of immortal in a way. So with each, with each time a, a Valiant or a Deceiver is destroyed, um, they can re- they sort of reincarnate themselves, sort of come out of the factory all shiny and new. Mm-hmm. The only thing with the deceivers is that they, each time they're destroyed, a little bit of code breaks off, so they eventually can become infestors. Ah, uh, and that is uh, and that is where the infestors come from. Yeah, that's right. The infestors are deceivers that have sort of become mindless, and the only reason the infestors can really form a force is because the queen has the ability to unite them. Right. So, um, so yeah, so they're a bit sort of like your mindless, your mindless robots sort of thing. So their mm-hmm. code is really damaged and, and, and a bit crazy. So as even within investors, as the investors continue to fail, they become swarms. Right. So, exactly. So, but the valiants are, are pretty much renewed each time. So that doesn't really happen to them. Well, let's... but one of the, one of the things with the def- uh, the deceivers is that they're looking for a cure for that. They don't want right. that to happen. 
Well, I, yeah, you wouldn't want that if that was you. Uh, well, let's <laughs> let's talk about each faction a little bit and how they play in the game. Now, you've talked at length about um, the Valiants, and they are sort of your stereotypical good guy robot force. Um, they, as you say, they have their consciousness up, and they are sort of downloaded or um, brought into these giant robot bodies, uh, and they are. Uh, there's a, quite a few different models, um, and they have quite the span of rules. But if you were to sum up how the Valiants sort of play on the tabletop, what are some of the overarching uh, elevator speech for them? Yeah, so, well, the Valiants are basically a ground-based force. Right. So I would definitely call them sort of a resilient middle-of-the-road beginner force. So you can you can take them to like that really high level, mm-hmm. but as beginner forces go, they're like pretty solid. They they mostly have ram attack, which is like a um, a ground based extra movement attack, mm-hmm. and they have um, a good amount of shooting, a decent amount of close attack. So they're good all rounders. Exactly, so, they seem a little more forgiving than some of the factions. Yeah, that's right. Nice. And would you say that I, I, I mean, there is such a variety in the models in this game. But Do you want me to quickly run through each faction, how they work? Yeah, well, yeah, let's talk about each faction. But while we're talking about that, is there any um, real highlight models in the Valiant faction that you would mention to people if they're interested in the game? I mean, beyond the fact that they are sort of the beginner all-arounders, they are one of the two factions in the starter box. I like domino and transistor mm-hmm. because um they are metal models but they but um the the models that have the host cassette ability mm-hmm. they're really they're sort of almost like surprise models like they don't look fantastic on paper right but because of the combat stacking ability they they can be really good if they're attacked like you, you then eject the cassette, who then goes into close attack as well, yep. gives you a plus extra plus dice um, in your close attack. So it can really catch people out, um, which is what I sort of like about those models. But now, you know, you, you can run interference mm-hmm. with the models if, if, if it looks like someone's going to be, could potentially close attack you and you don't want to, you just eject the cassette and put them in the way. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's um, I sort of like those. Um, but the starter set models are a pretty good spread they are. of um, of valiants to to start with. So that's sort of why they're in the starter set, of course. Nice. But but um, but yeah. Well, let's talk about the deceivers. Um, whereas the valiants are more of a, as you say, a ground based force, the deceivers are far more mobile, and they are sort of the the yin to the yang. They're the the evil or the the not very understood. Robot faction. <laughs> um, talk def- to us about these guys. They're definitely the evil faction. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely the evil faction. They're they're the way the deceivers work is more what I call tricksy. Mm-hmm. Use a, use something from Gollum's speech, mm-hmm. but um, but um, so there are a lot of um, high movement, mm-hmm. a lot of um, ranged attack and. Almost, I dare I say, annoying abilities mm-hmm. like mind read and mind control and 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 things like that. So, the deceivers are, I would say, definitely lighter in close attack, but which would sort of be their weakness. But yeah. they they are very highly mobile, and um, they they can be 
you know, they can be tricky. They can do like really tricky things. Like for instance, uh, Mega Tyrant can can get multiple shots off a turn where he shouldn't be able to necessarily by by using his firepower ability and mm-hmm. and and essentially changing into a a gun and and other people shooting and things like that. So so it's um yeah, a lot of they're almost like next level of difficulty um, mm-hmm. because you have to really align your list really well to get the absolute most out of the deceivers because they've got a lot of abilities that need to synergize across, but they can be really devastating when they do. Yeah. And they've got some cool combiner groups as well, where you can get a whole team uh, yeah. together who then, then, as you said, combine into one giant robot. And there's several groups of those within the deceivers, as you say, because yeah. they're, Trixier, they they have those weird rules that do things a yeah. little differently, which you know is very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we also talked a little bit about the Infestors. Now, these guys are sort of the the more cloney, more devolved deceivers. But what does that actually look like on the table? Um, you have more uh, similar models, more grunty, but you have the Queen, who's giant uh, and can sort of bring the faction together. Yeah, that's right. Like, uh, probably the I don't know whether the people would know this now, but the best way I've tried to explain this, and I'm not sure I've fully captured the essence of this, but like mm. I, I see them as old school undead. Yeah. In the sense that you have a bunch of models that can be cloned to really cheap, rubbish clones of themselves, mm-hmm. but when the original model dies, so do their clones. So you can really outnumber an opponent with the infestors, but the trick is to just concentrate on the, on the actual real versions. Right. Um, the queen is a bit of a strange one in the sense that, um, it breaks that mold a bit. Like the queen, um, is quite an expensive model, quite powerful. So <laughs> going back to my old Warhammer days, I sort of see the queen a bit as the Nagash mm-hmm. sort of model. It's like high points, sort of breaks the mold of what the undead really are. Um, but at the same time, also a bit of fun if you need to break break up that regular. And she's a beast of a model too. She's huge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, huge. Um, she, yeah, definitely the, yeah, the third largest after the two combiners, but only mm-hmm. not by much. Um, but yeah, so the investors are now getting along in the – like by my standards, getting along in the range. So the, some <laughs> yeah. of the older older models in the range. So maybe I don't. I haven't really got any plans to update them yet, but yet. maybe in the future. Yeah, yeah. We're right. Well, on. I never, never I say never, never say right? Never. <laughs> yeah. Well, if the investors, there's sort of as you said, a lot of clones and a lot of uh, cheaper models generally on the tabletop. The beast lords, as we mentioned before, are the exact opposite. They are. That's huge i mean they're big models they're very powerful but they're slow and you only get a few of them because they are beasts as the name would imply giant robots they just absorb a lot of punishment mm-hmm. like um amazingly so actually and they they actually i'm super pleased with how they play they play exactly how i envisioned them in fact the valiance deceivers and the beast lords it's only the investors that i'm tweaking mm-hmm. um but um but yeah they they it's it's, it's really fun actually I, I was saying in a recent uh, 
battle with Aiden and with the Beast Lords that you feel like you're not actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like when you play against them, you feel like all your shots and all that are doing. But you are chipping them down. Right. Like um, I looked at, um, I remember remarking in the midway through the battle, I was like I'd lost like four models and Aiden hadn't lost anybody. Yeah. But actually the damage was almost the same. Mm-hmm. Like he'd taken as almost as much damage, but he hadn't lost anybody. So, so that's sort of it's all it's intimidating, but at the same time, it's it's sort of quite fun when one finally does go down. Yeah, they're the tank faction. So yeah, to speak. that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, let's let's pivot out into the exact literal opposite of that, and let's talk about democracy um, now. These guys aren't giant robots. These are normal human beings like you and I, except they have they have their helicopters, they have their jets, they have their tanks, they have their um, troop personnel carriers, um, all of which I've really enjoyed play, uh, painting, I might add. You have infantry in 8mm on little tiny bases, and you also have, or groups of infantry, I should say, on bases. Um, but you also have the special branch, which are cars that can change into other things. As you mentioned earlier, the Lamborghini that can, you know, a decked out Lamborghini that can change into a... A fighter jet, uh, and so there's some really cool uh, synergies that you can use for this list. But they are not the tanks of this game, right? No, no, that's that's correct. It's so, it's sort of funny. Like um, uh, Stephen Remington, one of my mods on my Facebooks, wrote a fantastic story um, for Bot War where Max Starr, the leader of Special Branch, is talking with the Valiants, <laughs> and. It, <laughs> From a from a bot, I don't know what the word is necessarily, but like he wrote Max Star, like he's quite um, sort of I guess racist against the bots. Oh really? <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was a fantastic twist to it because it, it explains completely why the democracy doesn't have any bots themselves, mm-hmm. but they they're happy to take the bot technology and make the vehicle special branch. Mm-hmm. So the way special branch plays is a bit uh, shoot and move, like avoid. Yeah. They're very much like, your, I guess, the wood elf synergy of how things work. And that's the only way I can explain it really is that mm-hmm. you, anyone that knows anything about fantasy gaming, you don't really get in heavy close attack or heavy close combat with wood elves. No. Um, so they got, they got a lot of great, really good shooting. And they they got the most helicopter or the or the most um, models with the jetpack rule in the game, which mm-hmm. allows three activations. But that comes with the mass. That's that's really powerful, but it comes with a massive drawback in the sense that you get energy starvation probably a lot more than you normally would with any other faction. Yeah, you need to be careful about how you build your force so you don't necessarily run out of energy that quickly. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and you don't want to take too many like. Although you've got a great choice with a lot of jetpack um, rule models, um, you don't want to take too many because you'll never use. Exactly. You're sort of paying for redundant rules because you, you won't have the energy to use them all. Uh, that's a good point. Actually, I hadn't thought of that. Hmm. Might have to rethink mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's talk Snake Corp. Um, now, Snake Corp is sort of the, the, the flip of the coin from democracy. They're the... Uh, though they're a corporation, they they rival some of the Earth's most powerful nations, um, and they correct, are sort yeah. of the evil humans. But 
um, they do align with uh, bots and they have their own bots within their faction. So they're sort of the mixed race of both humans, tanks, jets, helicopters, and bots. Yeah, that's correct. And State Corp's been through probably the most development mm. from a rules point of view, um, just finding their identity. So um, they're very much like your now, they're very much like your jack-of-all-trades um, tech, mm-hmm. the like tech, they can they can essentially put out a tech um, horde, or they can actually play, but they'll never they'll never do any of the like say for you got your horde, you got your really specialized smaller groups, you know they'll never do any of those things as good as the actual factions that do them, mm-hmm. but they potentially can do them, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. But they have the variety. So you don't necessarily, yeah. if you want to try different play styles, Snake Corp allows you to do that without necessarily yeah. having to buy into a new faction, so to speak. If you want to try it out, yeah, that's right. Snake Corp's a great way of doing it. That's right. Snake Corp, you can pretty much play all play styles using the Snake Corp faction. Yeah. But you'll probably just never really get as deep as what you would get in the other factions that do that have that actual play style i can't wait till uh covid restrictions lift because a uh, good friend of the show marky mark is uh oh, yeah, painting mark. up yeah mark unsworth is painting up his snake corp and i've got my democracy ready to face him but i'm also going oh because snape Corp can do anything do i paint up my valiants or my <laughs> yeah. deceivers in the meantime just so i have you know while we're shut down to so i have you know so when we sit down to play again, you know, I have I have a different answer to his questions. So yeah, this <laughs> ooh, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. Well, let's let's talk about um another nation of humans who have some really wacky differences as far as technology and what they bring to the table. Let's talk about the Red Star. Um oh, yes. Talk to us about that because they also have helicopters. They also have some some tanks and they have some some smaller infantry models. But they all of a sudden now we're talking dinosaurs in hind helicopters and you know is it by um, bionic human beings creatures. Like there's just all sorts of insanity in there. It's awesome. Yeah, that's right. Like the the Red Star was actually the last faction developed. Mm-hmm. So um, it was always in Red Star has has always been in the like the background, mm-hmm. but um, it was only this year I think or mm-hmm. the end of last year that I decided to make them a full faction. Mm-hmm. So so they didn't have they didn't really get affected by the Atlantic invasion initially. Um, so they were relatively protected and they sort of just sat back and and watched as the democracy got hammered mm-hmm. but they then got hammered by gorg right um which is from the overlords which so we'll get whole, to in a minute yep yeah their whole development of their technology has been more organic based mm-hmm. because of their battling against gorg and they didn't really have access to any of the bot technology right. so so they've they've managed to find some green ooze that Gorg uses to mutate his creatures and get some old prehistoric DNA, mm-hmm. sort of Jurassic Park style, mm-hmm. and and then connect that with cybernetic 
tissue. So they've created like the, the Dynaborgs, which is sort of like the special branch for Red Star. Mm-hmm. So it's like a special branch of the military. And then obviously you have your normal military, which is your Hind gunships and and um, your infantry on the ground. Yeah, yeah, infantry and stuff like that. So um, Red Star is still being developed. I've just brought out um, the Pachyaborgs and the Terraborgs, mm-hmm. which are the Terraborgs aren't gigantic. They're, they're normal size because I think the Red Star thought it's probably not good to have a huge flying dinosaur if it if it got out of control. Mm-hmm. And so it's a normal normal size Terraborgs, but the Pachyaborgs are giant because they need to ram. They're like nice. they got a very good ram attack. Mm-hmm. So so um so yeah so we've got I think eventually there'll be a triceratops, um Brilliant. and there's there's already a brontosaur, which is a giant sort of walking fortress mm-hmm. with multiple gun towers on it. So that's already been developed. I'm just I have to cut. It's it's like a hundred millimeters long, so I have to cast it in resin. Ooh. So it's just. It's just waiting. It's like the it's like the centerpiece model for the Red Star. Well, um, if if I can mention the T Rex, which has Gatling guns, uh, and over its tiny little arms. Yeah, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely yeah. sensational. Yeah, the the my favorite is actually the Stegaborg with the two giant laser cannons on each each side. Mm-hmm. But um, in my game, Aiden picked on the T Rex, so I hadn't the Tyrannoborg, so I haven't really had a chance to give him his full, fully fledged outing yet. But, um, but yeah, the Stegaborg really, really perform well. So cool, man. So cool. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about um, the overlords then, because it sounds like they are, they are the more organic giant. Yeah. I'll admit this is the faction I know the least of, because I'm more drawn towards the bot technology. These guys are your giant um, organic octopus squid monster looking baddies. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're, the overlords are like, um, they're an alien race, but the, mm-hmm. only, there's only one overlord at the moment. There is more coming. So Gorg, Gorg is the overlord on Earth at the moment, and he is like the sport brat son of a very popular overlord on his home planet. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of went off. This is sort of his journey to find himself. Like the the thing with um, the overlords, I really didn't want that whole cliche of like, oh, they're coming to invade Earth and all this sort of stuff. So they're actually here. Um, Gorg's here to find creatures and he's a, uh, the overlords are master mutators mm-hmm. so they mutate creatures and and put them against each other on these these sort of sporting battles on their home planet which is sort of like it's like the whole society's geared around these gladiatorial battles so it's really important that if you get like these great mutations you really rise in overlord society mm-hmm. so gorg's here to um to mutate the best creatures and he's using the bot war to hone his creatures skills. So when he takes them back to his planet, they win, win in the arena and get him glory. Right. So, and he's found that the Australia, uh, I was going to say Australian sea creatures. I was going to say that mm-hmm. he's found that Earth's sea creatures are really great for mutating. So he's like, he started off with this, 
the whole thing with overlords is they want to find like a stable mutation mm -hmm. that they can that they can um, create and replicate. So the shark warriors are pretty stable mutation. He and they're not super powerful for the arena. So he uses them as a, like his guard. Mm -hmm. And then he's got like your gator warriors and stuff. And he he did make a mistake and accidentally mutate um, squid law, which mm -hmm. is this gigantic squid that's sort of gone rogue. Doesn't really answer to Gorg anymore, but. Um, but you can um, still field him on the tabletop. Yeah, well, you can't field Squidlaw yet, but you can field Squidlings, which are like reduced versions of Squidlaw. I didn't realize because so, those are huge. I didn't realize those were the reduced versions. No, no, Squidlaw would fit on a two hundred millimeter base. <laughs> Bonkers. Like I've actually got I've got a Squidlaw in my cupboard, like a full size one, <sighs> and he he's like massive, like he's. He would fit in a thirty-centimeter box. Unbelievable. So, <laughs> so, it, so yeah, but I am, I'm like uh, both infestors and overlords. I'm like tweaking mm -hmm. um, because there'll, there's not a lot of models at at the moment in mm -hmm. the overlord range. So they're they're two they're two ranges that that they're sort of forever in the back of my mind. There's mm -hmm. something we you know got to tweak. Those, they're uh, they're ripe two. for expansion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they are like that. So, I think after I think Trashes, this is like pretty far out stuff. But Trashes is is next year. Um, they've been uh, then Snake Corp, and then probably Overlords. I'd say. After well, that. well, let's talk about the Trashers then. Um, what are the Trashers? Because they aren't Valiants. They aren't Deceivers. They aren't Infestors. They're their own sub-faction of bot how do they work well there's some there's a little bit of mystery around the trashers so essentially like the general story is that trashers are valiants that have committed a shame some sort of shame mm -hmm. event so they they download a special code called nickname nicknamed the trasher code and that sort of changes their bodies and changes their their outlook. And their whole idea is to redeem that shame through valor in arms. So once they redeem their shame in valor in arms, then they sort of return to the faction that they were. But there's been a there's a few little mysteries there because there is a deceiver that's become a trasher, mm. and normally that wouldn't be allowed to happen. So there is a few mysteries surrounding the trashes and mm -hmm. the trashes are also like highly adaptable. So although they're not like their guns and stuff like that, like um, they've got a, a trasher coming out with a blunderbuss. Mm -hmm. Nice. Like, cause their guns are really primitive, but their close attack weapons are really, really advanced and their close attack abilities are really advanced. So, um, they're really sort of like a cross between we want to use like a a common that people might understand, like your corn berserkers slash mm -hmm. dwarf slayers slash, you know, that sort of extreme faction. Exactly. Um, I mean, the thing with the balance on the extreme factions is that it's, it's quite obviously hard to get a lot about. So trashers will pretty much kill anything even larger than them in close attack. But you've got to get into close. I was going to say you got to get there, right? That's right. 
so they have a lot of um, abilities like combat shields. Um, they have usually more damage than a bot their mm-hmm. size. Um, and they actually have access uh, to generators as well, which is um, the strange thing about just a very quick, diversion but related is the strange thing about bot war is that you can make a stat card for anything it doesn't have to be you can make a stat card for scenery pieces that's right and so generators uh a sort of static scenery piece that can claim objectives but at the same time just generates energy it doesn't actually do anything so they're like their ultimate battery um but then again you've then got the thing well do you protect the generator from an air attack from someone or do you lose it or where do you deploy it? It can be deployed anywhere on the table. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a lot of dynamics around that. There will be other stuff coming out as well like that. There'll be like electricity pylons and and signposts and things like that that nice. will you'll be able to pick up and bash people with. And... Nice. Well, let's, let's, let's pivot slightly then and talk about – one of the factions we've talked about pretty much this whole time, which is the forces of Atlantis, the Atlanticans. Um, how oh, yes. did they factor in? Because they are a faction with an unbelievable amount of diversity within them. They have combiners, they have um, submersibles, they have robots, they have foot troops. Talk to us about how the Atlanticans work on the tabletop. So sort of like the Atlanticans are sort of the mirror opposite of Snake Corp. So while Snake Corp, even though it's obviously evil in the background, the play style is sort of like a cross between valiance and democracy. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Atlanticans play style is a cross between deceivers and democracy. Interesting. Okay. So um, they have a lot of models with like air attack, mm-hmm. but they don't do air attack as well as deceivers. Right. So they also have infantry and tanks. Um, I mean, the infantry and tanks are probably on par. No, not quite as good as the democracy tanks, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So so there is a lot of diversity in there, but they obviously have the combiner as well, which is like um, homage to the deceiver side yeah. of, of things. So the the um, the actual store, the the combiners are avatars of primordial five primordial gods that were on earth before um before humanity mm-hmm. well when humanity was still living in caves so leviathan is the is is the avatar of the primordial god of water like you sort Makes of the old Poseidon, yeah. poseidon sort of mm-hmm. god so and atlanticans have worshipped were atlanticans essentially were humans but you know evolved um, because of their worship of the god of water, right? Um, so, so yeah, it's it's sort of Atlanticans are one of my favourite factions, actually. And um, they didn't really get bot technology until recently, when a uh, a bot crashed into the ocean and King Gills, after his defeat, um, found it and and decided to make his own bots because he got whipped by the bots before. Mm-hmm. So he decided to make his own. He's, he's been going crazy. There's, a, there's what, now eight? Yeah, bots, there's quite a few. Not to mention, as yeah. you say, the combiner, which is cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Leviathan is, mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Love his beard. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let's – I think we've done a pretty good job of talking about 
the factions in Bot War. And Bot War, as I said, is a game that I am really that I love the look of because it has just that that both the simplicity of easy to pick up and the depth of play. But you've sort of taken that and run with it and you are you are adapting I don't want to say adapting bot war rules because that sort of makes it sound like this isn't a game in its own right, but you've been developing a new game using some of the bot war mechanics that make it so successful and you're adapting it for a 28 millimeter skirmish style game. Now skirmish usually means one model, uh, one activation, but there are small units in this game, but I don't want to make it sound like a mass battle 40 K ish type game. That isn't it, it at all. Let's talk about the rise of democracy. Um, how did you get the idea to jump to 28 mil? Uh, I mean, clearly this is still the same bot war universe, but you are talking about the individual people that are 28 millimeter on the tabletop versus eight millimeter in a normal bot war game. Yeah, that's right. Like the rise of the demo- I, I can't remember how it it came up, but I wanted to try and um, I think it was because I was experimenting with squad rules mm. in bot war initially, and I couldn't get them to work under the like fit into the mm-hmm. into the system. So I sort of wanted to dis- detach myself from bot war as the game sort of almost start from scratch and I needed a new way of doing doing that so I chose a different like everything completely different but wanted to keep it in the same universe and my thoughts were that a bit like um a bit like other games that um that I'm I'm not I'm not going to mention but you can think of one that's set in the same universe but Mm -hmm. different scales right is that you can run campaigns like at different levels, mm-hmm. you know, like you can put the mic under the microscope at 28 millimeter, or you can take a, a greater, you know, a step back and, and view it from a, from a different angle. But, but with the rise of democracy, I, I finally managed to work out how the squad rules would work. So in rise of democracy, even though it is a skirmish based game on a more magnified level, it's more about, like the squads in that game are really powerful. Yeah. So heroes are more like they're supportive. They're good, but they're, right. but they can't like go up again. Like no matter how heroic you are, you can't go up against like five people with guns and, exactly. and just, and wipe them all out. Right. So that's sort of how rise of democracy works in the sense that you've got to chip the squads down to a manageable size. Exactly. Um, before you can, before you can handle them. But I've also added in there, like there's a bot mm-hmm. in there. Um, it's set, it's set in a slightly different time. It's, it's set in a very much more narrow time scale than mm-hmm. what bot war is. And it's, it's set almost directly after the Valiants have arrived. So, right. Um, the Atlanticans are in retreat. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of a, like a real, uh, a sp- sort of rare and sparse faction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of snake corp activity mm-hmm. during that time of weakness. Um, and the, the bots are very rare. Yeah. So snake corp have a bot at the moment, uh, a crawler called Mineshaft. Mm-hmm. You can actually have multiple crawlers because um, it's their, their sort of mainstay bot. Um, 
but and there's also some very early special branch vehicles. There's the Sky mm-hmm. Cycle. Um, Flying motorcycles are cool, man. Yeah, and I've I've got uh, you've saw you see saw developing the the Jeeps, the Viper oh, yeah. Jeep for Snake Corp, and the Mongoose Jeep for mm-hmm. Democracy. So so yeah, it'll have it'll it'll be more your forty k size eventually. I think. Yeah. Um, there's the average size battle there is really 100, 120 points. Mm-hmm. So we just, we just played a 120 point battle recently, um, which, which wasn't, which was on the verge of being a bit too large for the table size we had. Right. So, so it's, um, but hundred points would be the sweet spot, I think. Well, you still have. So Bot War, we have not mentioned it in this particular episode, but it does use bespoke dice, both attack dice and defense dice and then boosting dice, which um, make the game very, it's another element that makes Bot War very narrative, or sorry, cinematic, I should say, on the tabletop. It's very easy to count up your hits versus your misses because you're just looking for the symbols and counting them up. You're not actually saying, well, how many four plus results do I have here? Like, what's that? Now, you've taken those same dice and you've brought them over uh, for the rise of the democracy, but in st- and a lot of the stats are similar, but instead of having a strategy rating, you have initiative, for example. Um, yeah. You still have ranged attack. You still have the close attack dice. You still have the, the boost dice, but um, you start to get different in that you're not... The resource management in this game, instead of having energy... Uh, you are really talking about skill and prowess points. And I liked how you you brought up squads are important in this game, but characters are too in that they are they have the synergies with different squads um, and the way that they operate that allow you to use their prowess points to to either boost what a squad can do or to give them abilities um, to allow them to achieve what they're trying to get on the tabletop. Again, resource management, easy to pick up. Looks like it's really straightforward as far as basic on the tabletop, but you have that tactical depth and the synergies that you really need to think about um, that can really take the game to the next level. Yeah, and actually, uh, I think Rise of Democracy is, is a much more difficult tactical game than Bot mm. War in that regard because the prowess points um, have an addition. It's not the same as the just paying your energy, um, although there's sort of that dynamic. It's it's a, there's a lot of proximity required to get the most out of your heroes, mm. and so you're playing that energy. You're not. It's it's almost like shifted the the pre-game sort of allocation of energy and things like that to the movement phase, and that oh, becomes okay. really difficult because you have to think when you're moving. Oh well, which will I need support from what hero, and for this squad, mm-hmm. um, you know, can these multiple heroes do what this squad would do here? Like, do I need to? how many prowess points will I need in that area? Do I think to do what I want to do over there? And so you've got to think about that in the movement phase rather than just allocating it out on the cards. Good point. Like in bot war. Yeah, that's right. So the, and, and if you think about it too late, then you're going to be out of range to really maximize that. So it sort of takes bot war to a next 
step of difficulty in that regard. The rules are still pretty simple, but actually getting the most out of your faction in that game is is much more difficult, I think, mm. um, than well, Bolt War. If you are interested in seeing the rules for this, if you go to the Traders Galaxy website and you look uh, under the rise of the democracy, not only can you see the new models um, that are coming out, which look great, but there's also a free set of rules that you can download to check out. Um, it's 10 pages at the moment. Sorry, 10 pages double-sided. Um, but included in there, you have rules, and then you have five scenarios, and then there's an additional document of all the unit cards that you have out already. So if you want to try out the game, it's, again, free. You can get it. You can get a couple models, push them around the tabletop, and you're all set. Um, I really recommend checking this out. It looks like a lot of fun, and I can't wait for lockdown to end so I can actually play it. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, but also at the same time you put out these rules, you've also put out a third game set in the Bot War universe, and this uses Bot War models, but this is a dogfighting game. And I'm super excited. And in my head, all I hear is Highway to the Danger Zone. Let's talk about Broken Skies. <laughs> because, again, it's, it's cool. It's using the, the models that we know and love. But rather than being sort of an open tabletop game and using a tape measure that we would normally use uh, for Bot War or for Rise of the Democracy, this is a hex-based dogfighting game, which is very different and very cool. Yeah, well, actually, Aiden wrote this game. So it's, it's, um, it's more, I would say, even though this is a tabletop war game as such, it's more board game. Yeah. Board gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiden's, Aiden's right into his board game stuff. So it's, it's, there's a bit of abstraction in there, but mm-hmm. it's actually quite a fun game. The, um, the only regret I have about the game is that I haven't been able to get an actual card, get it as a boxed game. Mm-hmm. Because I'd love to be able to do a card board for it mm. and put in like a set of Atlantican models and a set of uh, democracy models as mm-hmm. a starter set and do it up as an actual full box game for people. Um, because I really think that this game is is super fun and can be played really quickly. Yeah, man. Um, the um, I I have got um, some resin Atlantican. Uh, models coming for it. Nice. Um, so potentially maybe a, a second edition will see a box set. But um, Super there cool. is yeah, the rules are free. I've got a I've got an, the smallest board you can play on is A three, mm-hmm. and you would only have like four models on that on that game board maximum. Um, so I've got I've got a free board that I've made up available free stat cards and free rules mm-hmm. and it also uses the the bot war dice kit yes so all my games hopefully will use that same dice kit and like the way i figure that is there's great value for people mm-hmm. playing traders galaxy games is that they only need one dice kit and they can play a bunch of games mm-hmm. some of the models can even cross over like they can just it just to me it just pours on value for being part of the traders galaxy community exactly is that you can just cross over like lots of lots of stuff. Even um, the rise of democracy to a small extent is that you're still crossing over all the law and background, so you don't have to like learn all new new stuff. So mm-hmm. I like that. I like that people can just 
have a dice kit. Oh, I just want to, um, especially with Broken Skies, oh, I've got um, a couple of models for Bot War, a couple of flying models. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can play Democracy uh, Broken Skies as well. Yeah, I realized that the second I opened the rules and went, oh, I have this painted. I can literally yeah, play right. this right now. Awesome. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, which was and, very um, cool. if I think if Mark has any Snake Corp flyers, mm-hmm. I think all the rules for the Snake Corp, they're pretty deadly, actually, the Snake Corp flyers. I don't want to hear that. So, <laughs> yeah, the Nightbird is nasty. Oh, nice. Uh, um, so, so, yeah, like all the stat cards are in there for Snake Corp as well. So, yeah, you can definitely be playing Broken Skies straight up with Mark if he has the flies for Snake He does. Pop. I've seen him. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Well, again, I think you've just done a wonderful job of summarizing uh, what I was trying to say, which is with Trader the Trader Galaxy game, you've really expanded your stable of games, but they feel familiar. They are of a similar... I mean, they're all in the same universe, uh, and they all... They all feel, even though, for example, Broken Skies was written by someone else and does use a hex base and is more of a board game, it still feels familiar when reading yeah, the, the rules. Yeah, the combat system is very similar to exactly. what actually in, in Broken Skies. And it, it just feels good. It's a fun... All of your games are fun, and I love that in a game and I'm looking forward to it is uh, I was saying to people literally when they were asking what are you doing on the school holidays and this was back in March right before all the COVID lockdowns happened in Victoria and I was telling my friends that the very first thing I actually had a bot war game lined up and it was the game I was going to play when when vacation started and we've been essentially on and off lockdown since uh, and I'm hoping at come Christmas time this year that my Christmas get uh, my Christmas uh, wish comes true and I get some Bot War slash now Rise of the Democracy slash Broken Skies games in because it just looks fun and the models have been looking at me for so long. Um, but that's that's isn't that's what it's supposed to be. like. I feel very passionate about that. Mm. Is that games are supposed to be fun? Exactly. Like, and like I'm, I would say probably in general I'm a more pessimistic character. Um, but when I like I was saying to you um, earlier in the show mm-hmm. is that when I Aiden and I sometimes sit down, we're tired and and you know think oh we've got to play this game. And two turns in, we're right into it and having fun. Exactly. Like I, in a rare, in a it's a rare game that you know. Um, in the old days, I used to play a lot of tournaments for Warhammer and, mm-hmm. and 40K and things like that. Is that. I don't think when you get those situations where you're just like beaten to a pole, there was times when it wasn't fun at all. But I've been beaten for loads of times now, and I actually really enjoy those games a lot. Like there hasn't, I can honestly say there hasn't been a game of Bot War that I haven't enjoyed. Like. Yeah. Which is which is odd, like even when I got there's one um, sometime. All our games are very raw on 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 YouTube, um, so I haven't got time to edit right. all the all the stuff and stuff like that. And so there was one game that that we we always joke at the start and say, oh, if it doesn't work out, we won't post it. <laughs> but actually, we've we've posted them all, even the one I got completely annihilated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
right, Aiden, because it, it was still quite a fun game. Yeah. That's, I mean, that really is the mark of a good game, is that when you get beaten, you're still having a good time. Yeah, that's right. And I think from a, the only thing that would probably made it better is if I had a beer mm-hmm. at the same time and, and maybe some pretzels. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite, I think that personally, I think that's rare because there, there is a few games out there like that. Um, but, but not every game is like that. Definitely. So I definitely think that that's, that's a huge plus. Uh, um, the game is, is really awesome actually. Nice. Well, on that note, I think, uh, it may be time to uh, to wrap it up, but where can people find? I've mentioned Traders Galaxy, Traders Galaxy, Traders Galaxy a couple of times in this episode. Um, where can people find your rules? Where can people find your models? And pe- where can people find you? Well, um, you know, the, obviously the, there's a Bot War Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the Traders Galaxy Miniatures Facebook mm-hmm. group. There's the Traders Galaxy shop facebook page Mm -hmm. there is the traders galaxy website Mm www.tradersgalaxy.com.au but there's also now a few stockers for bot war um, which is firestorm games in the uk Mm -hmm. noble knight games in the us are the major stockers Mm -hmm. there's discover games in georgia usa there is alpha spell games in sweden and there will be a new stockist, which will be, um, I think it's Lonely Planet Games in Torrance, California. Great company. So, um, yeah, Mike, Mike's a really good guy mm-hmm. there. So, um, But he won't have stock yet because it's not been shipped yet. Right. But, um, soon. But yeah, they'll, yeah, soon they'll be, they'll be stocking there as well. So I'm always looking for more stockists. So, or distributors mm-hmm. for the game. So, um, so yeah, people can get in touch if they want to stock stock the game. Nice. Well, and as always, thank you for coming on, man. It is always a pleasure to uh, to check in and see all the, the the wild stuff that you've been up to. Because, as I said, you are one of the most prolific producers of miniatures and rules and everything else in the in the gaming industry and i'm always blown away we'll have to have you on in six months just to see all the other things maybe you'll have six other games um, <laughs> well i think there'll be definitely one um, mm. i think there'll be one definitely one hopefully so but yeah i think i'm addicted to it mm. i think i'm addicted to producing models and games now well, <laughs> as a guy who puts out a podcast every week, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I never, I'm never <laughs> I don't know, I don't do this, don't do this often. Well, speaking of which, if you want to contact me, um, and I do I have had uh, a couple of people asking me to do more bot war stuff. Hi, Mark. Um, we, uh, you can contact me. I have been taking a lot of requests for episodes recently, both for this and for the Warlord Games podcast. You can find me. Uh, at Cast Dice on Facebook, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. And if you message the page, you're guaranteed one person to reply. That's Brad. Hi, that's me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, let us know what you would like, uh, what you want to hear more of on the show, and we are happy to do it. But, um, just, yes, sir. I was just going to say, just, I was just going to say one final thing, Brad. Please. If people, if people have watched the, or listened to the podcast to the very end here, mm. um, they can actually put in a, um, discount code into the bot war website called 
cast dice. Hey. One word, mm-hmm. and they will get a ten percent discount off their shopping cart for Love Trace it. Galaxy. Love it. Uh, I'm. <clears throat> I might use that <clears throat> later today. <clears throat> we'll see how we go. Um, but yes, excellent. Well, guys, uh, as we say at Cast Dice, as our buddy Casey always says, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. And that track I'm